liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Well, I just got back from vacation. I went on a cruise to the Bahamas. It was very beautiful. Uh, can't you tell? I'm so tan now. This is incredible. Um, I'm also wearing my um, my ugly Christmas sweater, which happens to have the uh, Don't Tread on Me print to it. Or as the F FBI calls it, the uh, terrorist watch list sweater. <laughs> because I'm wearing American lore, God forbid. Um, anyways... I'm obviously in high spirits. I, I think that the vacation did me well, and I apologize for not giving you guys an episode for a week, but I hope that uh, it was worth the wait. Today, I intend on telling you why you should be optimistic. I don't do that very often. Unfortunately, much of the news that's worth covering, uh, particularly over the past few years since I started the show, has been very negative, and necessarily my coverage of it is going to come across as pessimistic and i am not actually pessimistic and this past week has been probably the most reason for optimism as i've experienced in a very long time so let's start out with the big one. Oh my god we almost had world war three <laughs> and you're saying clint how can you possibly frame this as a reason for hope well in the past when there was false flags we just went to war. I mean, normally, that's what we would just do. So when uh, Ukraine alleged, via Zelensky amongst others, that uh, Russia had shelled Poland, and it turned out very quickly to be false, instead of us learning about that 10 years down the road or five years at a minimum after we've killed a million people, and in this case, perhaps started World War III or nuclear war. Instead, because of some inquisitive farmer, he went out there and he took photos of the shrapnel that landed. And it was proven that while it was Russian-created munitions, it was not, in fact, fired by Russia because it was sold decades ago. I think it was via the USSR, actually, uh, to Ukraine. So we averted catastrophe, which is great. But the, the reason that it's specifically reason for broader optimism, other than the fact that we're not all burning in hellfire currently, is because these are things that couldn't have happened in the past. You didn't have the ability to spread information so rapidly to talk people off the ledge, to dissuade political figures from pursuing really bad policy like World War III. And I think that that's, it's funny. It's like, it's both the reason I'm so hopeful and the reason that the fight over the social media censorship has become such a big deal, at least to me. And I think to you guys as well, if you understand it, how I do is that if it weren't for our ability to compete against their narrative making, I think all would be lost. I really do. But the fact that, you know, people like me, someone who 
was an entrepreneur who had no speaking experience basically in three years was able to become a prominent enough podcast that I have some influence and I'm just a normal guy. That's incredible. I mean, these are things that you really couldn't have done in the past. The credentialism and, oh, you got to go to journalism school and blah, 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 blah. But really all that amounted to was a bunch of ass-kissing idiots that were willing to eat shit long enough to finally get a blue check mark on Twitter and all of a sudden every stupid ass thing, every bit of CIA propaganda that they were pushing was just accepted as the gospel. No more. No more. Lunatics like us, us fringe radicals, are able to actually mold our own counter narratives in real time and have tremendous, tremendous reach. I did a thread just to give you an example of how powerful this is now. I did a thread about a week ago because I had paid the $8 to get my Twitter account verified. And I just jokingly basically played as if because I had become verified, I was now, you know, a left-leaning liberal and my disdain for everyone who wasn't a blue check mark was just overwhelming. And it was a very over-the-top parody or satire, if you will. And, uh, and it went viral, like crazy viral, like 3 million people have now seen it on Twitter. Something that I wrote on my couch watching TV in about 20 minutes, because it was like a 10 tweet thread was seen by 3 million people. <laughs> and I only have 60,000 followers on Twitter. So that gives you just a, an idea of the compounding nature of the social media avenue these days. Incredible power. And this is why the fight over social media is so profound and why our opponents, the government and their narratives, and the left, unfortunately, um, this is why they are pulling out all the stops and fighting as dirty as humanly possible. From the disinformation, misinformation board uh, with Nina Jankovitz uh, to planning stories to dictating what should or shouldn't be allowed on social media, uh, NIH, CDC, emailing the higher ups over at Facebook, Twitter, etc., telling them who needs to be censored, what needs to be centered, censored, uh, narratives that were allowed and weren't some of which we now know cost people their lives, like what medication you were allowed to take early COVID days. Remember that? Yeah. So because we have such a outsized power for us as an individual, we're able to compete with this Goliath and it is a Goliath, a Leviathan even, but that is so incredible. That is something that never existed in the past. And I don't want you to like forget that. Some of you are probably too young to even know what life was like prior. And I think that in many ways, as I've reflected on this topic, I've concluded that it's highly probable that our media, you know, the news, the government, the politicians were comparably 
perhaps not as corrupt as they are today, but probably close, right? And we just didn't know. We were in the dark. We had no clue how deep the rabbit hole went. How deep does it go? How deep do you know that it goes? The answer to that is very, very deep. You, just some dude, some plumber in Idaho, knows better than probably Alex Jones did in the early 90s how deep the corruption goes. That's incredible. That's progress. No matter how you look at it, that is huge, huge progress. And it's going to present additional challenges as they try and prevent it, try and stop it in its tracks with censorship, etc. But in the meantime, just try and keep perspective here. Like us, individuals who are not credentialed media, who are not, you know, politicians, who have no real power, right? At least that's how it feels sometimes. We have so much more power than we have ever had on an individual level. So be hopeful. Realize that you can actually make a difference right now. That my stupid Twitter thread can be seen by millions and millions of people within 48 hours of me posting it. Something that I wrote in 20 minutes. And I do that all the time. I mean, my, my Twitter account, I think has, I, I used to delete my tweets after seven days, so I can't really quantify it specifically because the, uh, the metrics by which you can actually search your Twitter account, like, because I delete them after seven days, I, I have to kind of like guess, guesstimate at, at my impressions per month, but very consistently 15 to 20 million. And I would guess as of late. 30 to 40 million impressions per, per month, sometimes higher. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. That's more impressions than like Brian Stelter did with his show <laughs> per month. I mean, that's crazy numbers. So be hopeful folks and fight like hell to maintain the speech that we have right now. And I know a lot of people don't understand the, the fight that is censorship on social media because it's framed as if these are private businesses that are making these, these decisions. I've already explained numerous times why that's not the case. I just, I just did it five minutes ago when I was talking about the CDC directing social media on who and what needs to be banned. So setting that aside, I think that the bigger point is it's very easy to frame it as if, well, you're, you're not being censored in the sense that like you can't talk, right? Like you're just not able to speak on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Like that's not censorship. Well, I guess I'm being greedy then. Cause I want to have as much reach as humanly possible. I want the people that, that do not have conflicts of interest when it comes to their reporting to be able to tell as close to the truth as they possibly can. And we now have that opportunity and it's getting better. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Part two of the reasons for optimism, Elon, 
I know. I know a lot of you are going to immediately fire back. Clint, 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 Clint. He's a welfare queen and he's wants to put chips in our brain and da 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 da. I know. I know. I know all of it. Okay. I know all of it. Bear with me. What he is doing in bringing back just two days ago, I think it was, he brings back Trump. No, Trump's not back because he's got an exclusive deal with Truth Social. So he probably won't come back. But that's not the point. The point is, he has brought back Trump. I just realized about an hour ago, James Lindsay is back. James Lindsay is tremendously important. His work on uncovering SEL and DEI, uh, that's uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. SEL is social emotional learning. Um, ESG, environmental social governance, all these three letter acronyms from hell that have infiltrated our institutions and allowed uh, basically Marxism to take hold without people really realizing it. He has done incredible work uncovering that. Incredible work. I think he overstates it at times, but I'm okay with that because the general point that he's making is dead on and very, very needed. So he's back on Twitter and I promise you he will be back tomorrow tweeting up a storm because that dude is super addicted. So uh, can't wait for that. There's a litany. There's a litany of accounts that have come back. Now, is it enough? No, it's not enough. We haven't got everybody back. I want to see my boy Reed and Jose and Cole and Top and Toad and everybody that I, I'm friends with to get their accounts back too. And I think that'll happen in time. I really do. Um, but it's progress. It's huge progress. These are accounts that are like persona non grata, unpersoned. Oh, Andrew Tate got his account back a couple hours ago. And Andrew Tate is now taking selfie videos of himself in his private jet on his way to California to go to Twitter uh, headquarters to thank Elon in person. Because Andrew Tate has been banned everywhere. Basically unpersoned a la Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the only person that Elon has said he will not let him come back. And he actually explained why uh, today via tweet to Kim.com, which I found fascinating. I'll talk about that in a minute. But these are people that are like, whether you like them or not, it's really not the point. Like whether you think Alex Jones is a bad actor and he has lied intentionally for ratings and views and listens and whatever, not the point. You got to set your opinions aside of these people. You really, really do. Same with Andrew Tate. You think he's a chauvinist. You think he's a misogynist. Okay. Not the point. You think that James Lindsay is, uh, sees communism everywhere. He does. Okay. That's fine. But not the point. These are dissident thinkers. And if you're listening to me, you, my friend, are a dissident thinker. You are. Very much so. <laughs> Compared to the people that rule over us today, you couldn't be much more of a dissident. So it is vitally important that people like them get their accounts back because it means we have a we have a shot. We have a fighting fucking chance. And we didn't have a fighting chance up until recently. I mean, just talking about the efficacy of lockdowns or what you should or shouldn't put in your body over the past two years could have got you deplatformed from everywhere. Doctors. McCullough and uh, I'm forgetting all their names. So many of them. Um, they got banned. 
they got banned for having a different medical opinion, even though they were like some of them were the highest level of expertise in their field. Gone. The fact that we now have a major, major platform that is bucking that trend, that is pushing back against not just censorship, not just the kind of the woke culture narrative of like hate speech and all this stuff has to be banned but also ESG. He's pushing back against advertisers. There was a whole bunch of advertisers that pulled their accounts over the past week or so. And instead of caving to that instantly, he's now doubling down. He puts it up to a vote to get Trump back. It, it comes in at like 51.49, nail biter. Trump's account is reinstated. That is a total non-starter for these advertising companies. Um, so the fact that he did that means that he is, I think it means that he is committing himself to a subscription-based model and a growth model that makes it so that he is undeniable that if you want to be in, in the world of political conversation, you have to be on Twitter. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make it so that like, no matter how much you hate his policies, his policies of free speech, God forbid, right? That you have to be there. Perfect example. CBS News, 48 hours ago, says, uh, given you know the profligate use of hate speech after Elon's acquisition, we are now withdrawing all, not, not just their advertising. No, 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 no. They were not going to tweet anymore. That's what they said. We are monitoring the situation, I believe they said. Less than a, less than a day later, I believe. Maybe it was two days. Day or two. And they come crawling back. Because right now, there is nowhere on earth that is popping more than Twitter. It is fire on there because all these big accounts are coming back and everyone's just jumping for joy. And he can continue to do this because so many people have been deplatformed. He can continue to do this. I think it was like Freedom Fridays was the idea where he's just going to bring a boatload of uh, deplatformed people back every Friday. Huge progress. I think next Friday, it could be all those doctors that I just referenced. Um, Amazing. Amazing. So it's so it's so newsworthy that it, this is the one platform that's doing it. I, and I know there's Gab and I know there's other platforms, but I'm just talking in terms of like mass adoption because Twitter has been around since 2007, eight, I think. Um, it's one of the OGs, you know, and because of the way social media works, it's all about reach and it's all about total user base. And like, there's nothing, there's none of these startups that have come in the past couple of years are going to be able to compete anytime soon with the Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitters of the world. It's just not going to happen. So the fact that we now have one, that's one of the mass adoption where there's, you know, millions and millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people that are using it. That's, that's bucking the trend. Big, big, big deal, big deal. And if we were functioning in a free market, it would be eating all of these competitors' lunches. Because how can they possibly compete? They really can't because they have such harsh censorship. It's like, why would I be there? The whole reason that True Social or Gab or Parler or any of these other startups have, have had any success whatsoever is because of the mass banning that occurs on Twitter or had occurred on Twitter and still does to some extent, but hopefully it gets better. Um, I mean, 
there's no reason for their existence really because they're basically offering the same the same thing just with slightly better terms of service so he can now compete head on and potentially take down the leviathans that have not seen the light that have not been acquired by some zany billionaire that just wants to tweet out silly memes and go viral he could he can actually stem the tide he can actually turn the titanic around potentially i've never i never thought i would say that i never thought that that was even a possibility i thought that you know i was very skeptical about his true intentions but and I still am. I still am skeptical about his true intentions at the end of the day. But like in terms of what he's doing with Twitter today, this is what we needed. He is he is delivering to some extent on what he had promised. It's not as much as I had hoped at this point, but it's headed in the right direction. The fact that James Lindsay is back is a big deal. Trump, Trump is like, that was like their big no. You if you do this, it's over. No more ad revenue for you, Elon. And he's just like, I'm going to put it to a vote. Oh, 51-49, he's back. <laughs> I mean, that is that is balls, folks. That is balls. However you feel about him, whatever you think about his ultimate end goal with any of this stuff, like, that's balls. He's standing up against the ESG world. If you, if you followed me long enough, you know how important that is. And what's really important, too, is that a lot of conservatives in particular were so upset over the disparate treatment because they were treated dis you know disparately they were treated worse they were censored when other people weren't you know you could say basically whatever hateful insane stuff you want to to conservative politicians but if you say anything that's even like gray area to leftist politicians you were usually nuked and that's how it's been because the moderators on Twitter and all these other big platforms were Marxists. <laughs> I mean, they were hard left, hard left leaning folks. And that's, that's changing. That's changing right now. And I think that the reason that that's so important is because the conservatives had, had started to talk about nationalizing these platforms, treating them as utilities and blah, 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 a bunch of fucking communist garbage because they didn't think that you could compete straight up. And it's very, very hard to compete straight up because of ESG and because of the relationship, the fascistic model that the government has with these with these uh, big tech platforms. But he's doing it. He's going for it. I don't know if he's going to be successful, but in the meantime, it's all plus. It's all upside. Like, I don't know how you see it any other way. If he brings back more and more and more people that platform is going to grow way more and who's who's over there people like me dave smith tom woods malice james Lindsay. now like we have a real shot here to be some of the biggest accounts on perhaps soon to be the biggest social media platform in the world that is meaningful i know a lot of people are are black pilled as hell and they don't they're not gonna hear this and wanna process it and feel any sense of optimism because you're so used to getting your soul ripped out from you, so used to just getting one step up on the ladder and then the ladder being, you know, ripped out from underneath you. That could still happen, okay? It could. But 
in the meantime, have some hope, folks. Have some hope. Appreciate the progress we're making. Is it is it the end game? Have we won? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying appreciate the wins when they come. And this one was pretty unexpected. All the way from the beginning when he first made the offer, and he tried to withdraw, and then they tried to force it, and then he went for it anyways, and he didn't even negotiate a better price. All very bizarre stuff that I still don't fully understand. But at the end of the day, this platform is getting better, and it is growing rapidly, and the activity on it is record-breaking. Day after day, it's getting bigger and bigger. And there are a lot of dissident thinkers that are on that platform that are going to have far bigger audiences than they had ever dreamed possible. And that is a reason for hope. Do you like drugs? Yeah, you do. Who doesn't? After being locked in your house for two and a half years, who doesn't want to take the edge off? Who doesn't want to escape this brutal reality that we all exist within? Go to the thchempspot.com. thchempspot.com is your place to get smokables, edibles, gummies, candy bars, honey sticks, chewing gum, concentrates, hash, shatter. Still don't know what that means, but it's probably fucking badass. Soft gel capsules and a variety of vape products. Oh boy, get your stone on. Sorry, I sound really lame. <laughs> You can also sign up for their newsletter and get access to regular discounts and entertaining content. Free shipping on orders over 100 bucks. The name is THC Hemp Spot. Coupon code is CLINT. Good for 15% off. For my audience exclusively, go to THCHempspot.com. If you are buying weed from anybody else, I am disappointed in you. Extremely. They are working around the market-based uh you know, prohibitions of marijuana. They got via the Delta THC, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, they're not working around it. This is all legal. It's all above board. But if you're getting your weed anywhere else, you're a fucking joker. You're a clown. This is a former Ron Paulian, for God's sakes. Support the man. THCHempspot.com. Promo code CLINT. Now, that's not the only reason for hope. Check this out. Oops. We got uh, Will Hild tweets out, breaking... L.A. Treasury, that's the Louisiana Treasury, announced in a letter to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink that Louisiana will divest all Treasury funds from BlackRock, totaling nearly $800 million to be removed by year's end. This is the largest divestment from BlackRock by any state. And the reason he's doing it specifically is because they have a big oil and gas industry in Louisiana, and they believe that Larry Fink and BlackRock are acting not in their industry's best interest. And guess what? They're fucking right. They are absolutely right. So big, big deal. And they're not the only state that has done this. There's been like a dozen different states that have sent letters threatening to do the same. And this is the type of thing I've been talking about. You know, the fact that we can actually see this amount of money withdrawn. Look, their relationship to the, to the Federal Reserve will only take them so far. Because ultimately the balance sheet of the central government is so fucked up that they can't do this forever. They will debase their currency into oblivion. And I don't think they want that to happen right now. So the fact that you have pushback, meaningful pushback is so important. I mean, I only really started to tell you guys about ESG not even a year ago. And now it's already all the way up to you know state AGs writing threatening letters and 
treasurers of different states actually following through with withdrawing pension funds, state pension funds from these fucking monsters. Huge, huge progress. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I, I, I'm telling you, when I first discovered, you know, how deep the ESG rabbit hole went, I didn't think we had a shot of something like this happening so quickly. And it's happening. Now, is it going to be enough? I don't know. But it is reason for hope. And here's the treasurer himself, John Schroeder, on with Glenn Beck. What was BlackRock's response? Well, you know, um, I met with them. Now, they've gotten some wind that I was doing this. So this isn't like total out of the blue news to them. I mean, I would imagine if you took $500 million out, they might notice it. I would hope. I know that. I know they got trillions of dollars, but I know they knew that I was moving this money. But they never made mention of it when I met with them two weeks ago. But what they did do was apologize and 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 say that um, you know that they um, you know wanted to assure me that that they weren't against fos- the fossil fuel industry <laughs> and this, that, and the other. Well, Glenn, I told him, I- I'm sitting there with three people and one of the directors, and, and it was about a 45-minute long conversation. And after a little bit, I told him, I said, look, this isn't personal with you guys, but y'all are sitting here telling me one thing, but I can show you, quote, video and audio of your CEO saying something different than what you're sitting in this room telling me today. Now, I'm the treasurer of Louisiana. And I, and, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I guess the CEO of BlackRock needs to tell me otherwise because y'all are sitting here telling me one thing, but what I read, see, and hear is something totally different out of your, out of your CEO. So unless he's willing to go out publicly and now reverse what he has been saying. Boom. Love it. I absolutely love it. And that is, I mean... It's so obvious. I love that the the Louisiana accent, the twang on that is he's like, CEO telling me different. You know, it's like, yeah, he is telling you different. Um, People are catching on. People are really catching on. The World Economic Forum. People didn't even know what that was not that long ago. Now it's everywhere. Everywhere I turn, I see people tweeting about it. Like viral tweets. Tens of thousands of people are seeing it. That's huge progress. And people are catching on. They're starting to realize, like, there's some things that have been happening under the surface that in good times, you really don't notice it. But because you don't notice it during the good times, not long after, the bad times come. And the bad times, they are here. And I think that's reason for hope. I know that sounds weird. I know I'm saying, oh, the bad times are here. Why should I be hopeful? Well, because in the bad times, you start to realize all the rot. You see how corrupt everything has gotten. You see how deep it goes. People didn't see it. You know, the libertarians did, but most people didn't. Most people have no clue. Most people, I mean, most people probably still don't really have a clue, but they're getting it. They're starting to get it. Progress. Reasons for hope. And that's not all. Claire Daly probably the greatest politician on the planet right now, member of the European Parliament. She is a socialist, unfortunately, but one of the good ones, very anti-war. You couldn't have had a politician this eloquent talking about 
avoiding World War III anytime up until recently that would go viral. This video itself has almost 2 million views, and that's only on one tweet, so I'm sure it's way more than that. Check it out. The war in Ukraine is quickly escalating into a wider horror, and from what I can see, practically nobody in this chamber is doing anything to prevent it. In fact, most people seem to get off on the fact that it's escalating. And at this precise moment, of course, as usual, the voices challenging the rush to war are attacked and silenced, smeared as traitors, cronies, Putin puppets, Kremlin stooges, Russian ages. Frankly, it's pathetic. And I don't make the comparison lightly, but the crudeness and cynicism of these slurs coming from mainstream EU parties might as well have been written by Hermann Goring, who infamously said that even though people never want war, they can be brought to war with threats and smears. He said, all you have to do, tell them they're being attacked, denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing their country to danger. It works the same every way. For he led, you are following. This House should be ashamed of this debate. Words are being twisted, meaning subverted, and the truth turned on its head. Opposing the horrible madness of war is not anti-European. It's not anti-Ukrainian. It's not pro-Russian. It's common sense. The working class of Europe have nothing to gain from this war and everything to lose. And I find it laughable that those calling for arms to Ukraine Never call for arms for the people of Palestine or for the people of Yemen. Unlike you, I oppose all war. I want it stopped. I make no apology for that, and I'm not going to be scapegoated and labeled for it either. My God. I get chills every time I hear it. Chills every time I hear it. I'm so grateful that, you know, some random politician in Europe that you probably would have never heard of 20 years ago can now have an incredible speech like that, that goes viral, that lets people know, the people that see this the same way that you and I do, can now know that we're not alone. We're not alone in standing against war, the worst thing that exists, basically. We're not alone. If that doesn't make you hopeful, I don't know what will. Now, is there an, are there enough politicians that are saying what she's saying? Absolutely not. But you wouldn't have gotten such a compelling speaker like that very often in the past, and certainly not one that could go viral, even against all odds, against the entire media establishment, the entire cathedral itself that wants her to be suppressed. Here she is. Millions of views on one single video. Millions more. God knows how many millions more when it's spread to different platforms, etc., on different accounts. Probably tens, maybe hundreds of millions of people have seen it. Amazing. Just amazing. And that that makes me hopeful. It does. Uh, you know, are we still right on the precipice of a potential World War III? Yes, of course we are. And yes, that's horrible. But we have a real shot here. We have a real chance at preventing it from preventing a, an unbelievable catastrophe. I mean, World War II wasn't that long ago. What was it, 75? Yeah, 75 years, give or take. That's, I mean, if we can prevent World War III just from speaking, not having to go and have revolutions or any violence, man, that'd be fucking awesome, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. And just to show you how incredibly unimpressive 
the opposition party is to someone like Claire Daly. We got Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is as unimpressive as ever. Goodness gracious, is she? There was a reporting in The Intercept okay. about opportunities for the federal government to identify uh, for social media companies different posts that contained uh, what was perceived as misinformation about the origins of COVID, the vaccine, uh, other things as well, you know, such as you know, Ukraine or the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah, I, so um, look, I, I'll say this. Um, the, you know, the administration, um, the Biden administration remains fully uh, committed to our mission to protect the, se the security and resilience of our um, of, of our you know elections and safeguard election infrastructure that includes combat combating disinformation that is something that uh, we are committed to um, you know we work to protect that uh, uh, protect Americans from disinformation that threatens the homeland including malicious efforts spread by foreign ad adverse um, adversaries um, uh, adversaries, sorry, pardon me, began before the Disinformation Governance Board was established. In fact, some of that work uh, began before this uh, administration. So, uh, you know, I want I want to be very clear that cross-agency work continues to this day. Uh, don't want to don't want to get a, ahead of uh, of anything else. This is a Department of Homeland Security, so I would refer you to them. So you are flagging uh, misinformation. As I, I don't have anything more to add. This is a Department of, of Homeland Security that I would refer you to. Them. I mean, if if that doesn't make you optimistic, I don't know what will. Just just consider how unimpressive our opposition is. Just tremendously unimpressive people. So bad at their jobs. You think you're going to lose to them? Do you not have more self-confidence? You don't have more faith in yourself? Well, let me tell you, you should. You should be very optimistic that the the paid top spokesperson for the White House is a fucking idiot. That's awesome. That is great. This is why me and the Tower Gang guys endorse John Fetterman. Because if you're going to have some milk toast garbage cons conservative in power like Dr. Oz... What's that really get you? Not much, right? But if you have a guy who can't even speak, he can't hear, he can't think, he can't process anything, who's up there representing essentially socialism, that's rad. <laughs> like, if you have an opportunity to have your opponent portray themselves in the worst possible light, let them. Let them. Now, obviously, I don't want them to rule over us forever, but trust me, people like this cannot rule over us forever. Corrine Jean-Pierre shall not, shan't rule over us forever. It's an impossibility. These people can't, I mean, if it weren't for hiring quotas and the the whole like push to diversify your workforce and the, the perception of inclusivity that they espouse the whole ESG thing. If it weren't for that, this lady couldn't be a dog catcher. She couldn't be a janitor. She's a moron. Straight up. Idiot. <laughs> That's great news. That is great news. She's the 
top propagandist for the White House. And she sucks. She sucks at it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't make you hopeful, you don't have a pulse, son. I had to play you this clip from Edward Snowden tweeted it out. Absolutely incredible. Over 5 million people have already seen it. 128,000 likes on Twitter just on this clip alone. This is CIA officer Frank Snepp discussing planning stories in major newspapers during the Vietnam War. This was filmed in 1983. And if you think they ain't doing it today, you aren't thinking very deeply. But once again, point being, getting information like this out to the masses used to be damn near impossible. And if it did get out to the masses, it was instantly framed as nonsense, right? No more. Check this out. You briefed the press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to uh, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and... Uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually the journalist would go with it because it was it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, Does that ring a bell? WMDs in Iraq? Yeah. The Russians just bombed Poland? Yeah. This is the type of stuff that, yes, they still do it, but people are catching on. I would say our percentage uh, planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach, uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News. Um, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times. Even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine, uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel, socialize with them, and, and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should be continued to should continue to get a great deal of aid, uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed 
in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information which, uh, which we tried to circulate. If I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him. He'd say, aha, I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact, what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. I am as an XCI agent opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved and I think it uh, served no useful purpose of propagandizing the American public or Congress is not the CIA's job. Pretty powerful, huh? I mean, this is stuff that we know, you and I know, but the American people don't know that. And stories like that are suppressed. You know, you have a CIA agent, a former CIA agent that comes out and he tells the truth. By the way, I watched the entire 15-minute segment that he did. Uh, I watched it over on YouTube and he goes on to, to talk even more in detail about you know, how these these processes have been long time practice and not stopping anytime soon. And it doesn't take much for the average person to extrapolate. Well, if they were doing that in the 1960s, 70s, and this guy was talking about in the 80s, and we know about WMDs and the New York Times also pushed that, like, you know, people aren't super bright, but they're not so dumb that they can't connect that dot, right? Well, some, some, of course, but more and more people are starting to be like, all right, this is I can't help but connect these dots here. We are being lied to, especially after the COVID stuff, especially after the mandates, after people, you know, sacrificed so much and just went along to get along. And then they now know people that are suffering because of it. Red pills, red pills, reasons for white pills, reasons for hope. Yes, it's bad. Yes, it's very, very tough, especially the people that have been damaged from this stuff. But my God, my God, 5 million views. And you also have Edward Snowden, a guy who's a whistleblower who easily his life could have been ended is on Twitter, sending it out to the world, allowing God knows how many people, how many more people to be woken up. It's powerful times, folks. This is powerful times. It's viral power, viral messaging power, peaceful revolution ideological revolution it's beautiful it's reasons for hope i don't need to show you this one but uh washington times wrote a piece where it said joe biden's new 401k rule threatens to funnel workers retirement funds into woke causes that's on the washington times i mean this is esg stuff like this is the stuff that i talk about it's now getting into the mainstream and people are pushing back very very uh optimistic in my opinion you also have a Citibank tweet, only got 71 likes, by the way. It says, City is investing to help make funding more accessible and equitable, dot, 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 for Black-owned businesses, overtly advertising their racist business practices. I mean, 
people are starting to notice this stuff. It's like, you can't deny it anymore. It's not some fringe conspiracy theory to say that this is happening. It's like, it is in your face. They advertise it. Like, our enemy is showing their hand. That is good. When they do that, let them. Now, ultimately, we want to stop them, and we will. They will go bankrupt eventually. But in the meantime, let them wake people up to this silly shit. Speaking of, you know, messengers and reasons to be optimistic, this is a Just Stop Oil activist explaining why she has shut down the M25 by scaling one of the gantries. This is in, I think it's England. If there's one thing you should have learned after the past two and a half years is that you got to do it yourself. You can't rely on other people, okay? You got to do your own research because the propaganda is everywhere. And you know what? You probably ought to be doing your own research into where you get your health insurance, huh? Open enrollment is here. And that means now is time to take charge of your healthcare decisions. We all know the system isn't working, but thanks to CrowdHealth, you can do something about it. CrowdHealth puts your healthcare back in your hands, cuts out the middleman, saves you money, and funds your healthcare costs without relying on big government or big insurance companies. You can see any doctor you want, no deductibles, exclusions, or copays. Only pay the first 500 bucks of any healthcare event. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. Come on. No exclusive doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. It's pretty simple. By totally reversing the vicious incentives that got us into this mess in the first place, CrowdHealth provides true peace of mind. CrowdHealth puts the community back in community healthcare. Pay one low monthly total to fund your account. Your monthly subscription helps fund healthcare costs for the entire CrowdHealth community. And unlike insurance, there are no doctor networks, so you can see any doctor you want. You want to keep your doctor, you can keep him, as Barack Obama once said. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit the eject button on the broken system without penalty. So do not wait. It is here right now. For a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use promo code LOCKDOWN at joincrowdhealth.com. Again, that's joincrowdhealth.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN. Get on it. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. 24 years old and I'm here. I'm here because I don't have a future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here because I don't have a future. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, do you fucking fear these people? Do you think that you can't win in a battle on any level against people like this? Really? Because I feel pretty confident. Now, is it tragic? Do I have sympathy for what she's experiencing? Of course. It's tragic. It breaks my heart, to be perfectly honest. But just as a, a placeholder, a, a symbolic representative of the belief system, these people are... They're not, they're not real contenders. Come on. You hate me for doing this, and you're entitled to hate me. I wish you would direct all that anger and hatred at our government. They are betraying young people like me. I would love to be there if they did their lawful duty to their own citizens. I'm part of the Just Stop Oil Coalition. 
coalition demanding an end to all new oil and gas licenses in the UK. What we're asking for is what all the scientists are asking for, what the United Nations are asking for, the International Energy, the IPCC. How many more people have to say, we don't have a livable future if you continue licensing oil and gas for you to listen? Why does it take young people like me up on a fucking gantry on the M25? <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't make you optimistic, I don't know, man. I don't know. These people are so weak. They're so weak. And again, let me just emphasize, it really does break my heart. It's tragic. It's tragic that they've been propagandized into believing that the thing that actually keeps them alive, oil and gas, <laughs> is the reason that they don't have a future. It's very sad. But at the same time, you don't want to meet me in a ring, Lily, <laughs> or whatever your name is. Like, these people can't contend with us. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. They outnumber us. Sure, I'll grant you that. But you think you can't take 10? <laughs> Come on. I got 10, you got 10, we're good. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like these people are so weak, man. They're just they're right on the they're right on the edge. They're right on the edge of like needing hospitalization. I just don't view them as serious like contenders for the throne. I mean, they have the political power right now. Yes, they do. Tragic as it may be. But I really think it's perilous. I think it's hanging on by a thread. I do. Call me overly optimistic, but I just can't believe that that you know civilization can ultimately end up being won by someone who has such a broken mind and ultimately their demands would constitute you know global genocide. <laughs> like like apocalyptic stuff. I just don't think they're going to win. I don't. I don't. I'm just being straight with you guys. I don't think they're going to win. You know, I talked about this last week right before I went on vacation, but come on. Sam Bankman-Fried, like, you think we're going to lose to people like this? I don't think so. A human is to make as much money as possible just to give it away. Earn to give. And that's exactly what he's doing. So let's say that you have $100 and you want to figure out what you can do with it to help the world. Earning to Give is thinking about which causes, which charities save the most lives per dollar. This $100 can go as far as it possibly can to help the world. Last year, this 29-year-old guy donated $50 million. Next year, he's planning to donate $500 million a year. And next decade, he will probably give away more than $10 billion. The amount of good that you can do uh, for the future of the world is, is really large. And it's way more than you can do to actually make yourself happy with anything like that amount of money and he is funding everything you can think of <laughs> all right so this time i'm not saying that these people are not formidable enemies because they are uh you know sinister but i mean it's so transparent and it's so beautiful because now you know that this guy was running a ponzi scheme like he's a con man this fucking clown to his right or to his left my right is over there smiling like a goofball, just gleefully espousing this utter nonsense that, you know, 
altruism through <laughs> becoming a con artist trillionaire is ultimately what he was all about. These people are just frauds. I just I like I like it when like the my my opponents that espouse things are nonsensical that are nonsensical are obviously clowns. They're frauds. Let's watch a little bit more. It's hilarious. Global warming. It's one of the biggest problems that we have to tackle together as a world. COVID-19 preparedness. We have to be ready for the next pandemic. Neglected tropical diseases. More than a billion people suffer from them. We have to eliminate these diseases. <laughs> they're doing different, for the, those that are listening, they're doing different shots of him. So like, they actually set this up so that he would like go stand on the balcony and like turn and, you know, at a glance, talk about climate change and then have the head on shot where he's talking about pandemics. It's like, it's just, and it's so, it's so highly produced and he was a con artist. This is great. And of course, animal welfare. Animals deserve to live just like we do. It's also why I'm vegan. <laughs> he's standing in front of his fucking fridge. <laughs> with a bunch of vegetables in it. <laughs> His hideous girlfriend was no doubt devouring with her nether regions. Anyways, continuing on. Sam doesn't need the money. Sam doesn't need the money. No, no, no. <laughs> to buy a Lamborghini or to buy a Rolex or to impress his friends. In fact, his car is a Toyota Corolla. Hold on. Where, where's your car? Uh, that one there. That's like what a Toyota. Uh, yeah, it's a Corolla. Why don't you buy a Lamborghini, man? I didn't have any particular need for one. He wants to get rich in order to impact the world and change it. <laughs> that's one of the greatest things that's, that's ever happened. I mean, the guy is espousing the entire playbook for ESG, right? He is up there fucking cavorting, rubbing elbows with all of the worst politicians on the planet. World Economic Forum, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, fucking some GOP people too I read about today. I mean, this guy is scum of the earth and he's at the highest echelons of power and he's a fucking Ponzi schemer and he got blown up within three years of starting. Amazing. Amazing. Now it's tragic that uh, people got hurt financially. You know, I feel I do feel for them, but I kind of like it. I kind of like that this guy, this obvious con man, fraud piece of shit. It's all it's all disintegrating right in front of our very eyes. Now it's also creating cascading defaults that could blow up the entire fucking world economy. So. There's there's some negative that goes along with this, but man, that was beautiful. Come on. You can't take a little joy from that. Maybe I'm just being clown pilled. Clown pilled is where you just like, no matter how insane things get, you just laugh at it. Maybe that's where I'm at. I don't know. But that shit was funny. That shit was really funny. This one's going to sound like bad news, granted, but there's a reason that I'm bringing it up. I'll explain in just a second. So G20... Uh, it says, breaking, leaders have just signed a declaration which states that vaccine passports will be adopted to facilitate all international travel. This means any vaccination the WHO determines you should have, changing your rights and freedoms forever. Silence from the media. Uh, it says, we acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of 
of the IHR 2005 to facilitate seamless international travel interoperability and recognizing digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof, proof of vaccinations. Reads paragraph 23 of the G20 Bali Leaders Declaration. Okay, so seems negative, right? Well, the reason I think that there that we should have some optimism on this is I just got off a cruise ship. A cruise ship that as of, I think, six or nine months ago, one, was doing no business because they had implemented vaccine mandates and they couldn't fill the boats. I think that there's actually strength in the fact that they're trying to do this in a uniform fashion. And I'll explain. If this was just a one-off, you know, if, if like North Korea is a good example, actually. If you have a one-off where it's just so oppressive and you don't have any escape, okay. Like you're basically screwed. But you have such an immense landmass and they're trying to roll this thing out globally, right? Well, what if Sweden or any country just says no? Like Florida kind of said no or South Dakota said no. And all of a sudden they boom and everywhere else busts. Well, that's why that's the biggest weakness I think in their their big central planning globalist scheme is that ultimately because it is such a over-the-top goal, they're doomed to fail. Like their economies would be devastated. The European economy in particular is already on the ropes. Not just the economy itself, but the central banks too. Like their balance sheets are, are worse than ours. They're totally fucked. So if they want to implement this and America doesn't, say Trump gets elected or DeSantis or something, and we say, we're not going along with that. But all of a sudden, no one in America can, can vacation or travel to Europe. Well, bye-bye economy. So the fact that they're they're swinging for the fences, I think they're going to miss, man. I think they're going to they're gonna swing out of their shoes and they're going to fall on their ass. I really do. I just don't think that it's possible that they can prevail with this such a fucking over-the-top goal. It's like all you need is a handful of countries to say, we ain't going along with it. All of a sudden, they're just exploding with not just population growth, but population growth of people that are productive, that want to work. Um, I'm hopeful. I'll get you out of here on this. This is the great John Stewart sitting down with Hillary Clinton and Condoleezza Rice for his new show. That's on, uh, I think it's Apple. You know, just very briefly on Libya, because that was on my watch. Um, but this is not, again. No, no, but, my, not, I want, yeah. but I want to make a larger point, because, yeah. you know, Gaddafi was a bad actor. Everybody knew he was a bad sure. actor. And he threatened to kill his people by cockroaches. The United States was actually the supporter of European countries through NATO and the Arab League, which for the very first time came and said, we want to be part of trying to protect the people of Libya now. So I feel that that particular intervention, we had certain capabilities militarily that nobody else had, which we used to assist them. But, you know, the Emiratis were flying and the Jordanians were flying, et cetera. The problem, and this is where I think you, you make a really good point. The problem is, okay, Gaddafi's gone. Mm -hmm. um, his horrible prisons are emptied. What comes next? Right. That's what the comes point. next? That's, that, the that's always a problem. Because <laughs> Let me just pause it for a second. I, I just want to 
oh god i just want to point out how unbelievably glorious it is that john stewart who by the way used to be very funny very very funny very good on the daily show he has now been relegated to having on two of the biggest warmongering fucking transparently evil people on the planet in my lifetime on his show while they defend their war crimes and he sits there and you know barely jabs back it's pathetic it's sad in in one way but it also just goes to show like do you think that they're going to dominate the media space moving forward i don't i do not think so i think that they are doomed to fail i think that people do not want to hear from these women and more and more people don't want to hear from john stewart either because he's pushing this shit, which is completely counter to much of what he fought against when he was on The Daily Show. Here's Condoleezza Rice. There's yeah. always a vacuum uh, because, look, dictators don't allow institutions to uh, to flourish. So when you take the dictator out, there are no institutions. That's right. I, I love this. Uh, dictators don't allow institutions to flourish. You are literally sitting here talking about the institutions that you toppled. So are you the dictators or was it Gaddafi? So that's, but the question becomes, do you then say, let Gaddafi go ahead and kill his people because it's going to be hard afterwards? Or in our case, uh, we thought Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. You're going to let that continue or are you going to take him out and then do the. It's, it's so crazy that they sit there and defend their actions in Iraq based off of a lie or Libya also based off lies. And they're defending it still. They're defending it still. It's amazing. It's amazing to witness. And the fact that they're sitting there talking about it as if it's some fucking revelation that there's a power vacuum when you topple a government. You know? Like, we're we're 20 years deep into the war on terror. Yeah, we know, bitch. We know that there's a vacuum of power after you topple a dictator. We knew that prior, but we all know it now best that you can in helping people to recover, you have to recognize that it's going to be hard once you take the dictator out. But John, it's a little bit of a false choice to say, well, then just leave the dictator in place because it won't be chaotic. It may not but be chaotic. That, I guess it, that, what I'm saying is it may not be chaotic, if we take but that it might role be brutal on, against the people. If we take that role on, can we sustain as a country? You know, when you think about the answer is no the Soviet Union's collapse. They overextended and they got in an arms race with us and they had all these satellites. Are we overextending America's power, especially militarily when you talk about an $800 billion defense budget? Let's assume instead of... Instead of <laughs> I mean, the, the answer is so fucking obviously yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate that he's trying to be respectful and present it as if like, it's really worth deeply pondering. Um, but the answer is obviously yes. Come on. Instead of being in a podcast studio, we were yes. in the situation, right? Or, you know, in the tank, in the defense department, wherever we were. Right. Okay. And we're saying, okay, what do you see on the horizon? Well, right. North Korea is shooting these, <laughs> these missiles. missiles over our ally, Japan. Right. Um, China is trying to build up its uh, blue water navy so that it can compete with us anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, 
the Russia-China relationship, it's tricky, but we have to watch it really carefully because we don't know where that might lead. Uh, we've <laughs> if you know about her involvement in the lead up to the Ukraine-Russia war, that, that would be very humorous to you. I'm sure most of you do. Got Iran, still a very bad actor, and probably in addition to killing their people, will cause some external problems in order to take people's minds off it. We have a lot of issues. So do we yeah, Most of those issues were created because of your and Condoleezza's reigns of terror, just so you know. We've got a lot of issues. Do they take ever any shred of responsibility for what they've created? The open-air slave markets in Libya, for instance. Hillary, you cackling piece of shit just sit back and hope for the best? Or do we try to be positioned mm -hmm. in enough places with enough support that we can be a good ally to those who are counting and, us? And you have to watch the potential rise of terrorism again. So you have a lot on your plate. But I'm <laughs> this, bitch, this bitch was responsible for fucking Iraq, Iraq being destroyed, which ultimately created fucking ISIS. <laughs> so yeah, we do. We do have to be on the watch for terrorism coming back. Because of people like you. I would just say, should the United States be selective in the use of its military power? Right. Absolutely. Yes. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Selective as in, you know, seven different venues for war during your fucking <laughs> your reigns. I, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, after Afghanistan and Iraq, which we did for security reasons, not because we wanted to spread democracy at gunpoint, but for security reasons. Although, <laughs> I love that she admits it too. Not because we wanted to spread democracy at gunpoint, even though every time we invaded, we said it was, you know, spreading democracy or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was just for security issues. Sure, 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 sure. Ultimately, we were told that spreading democracy would make the world safer because well, actually, freer countries would well i think if you if peaceful. you actually look at the record uh democrat uh, democratic countries actually don't invade their neighbors democratic countries don't harbor terrorists <laughs> y'all are terrorists and you're being harbored in this country right now <laughs> we're a democracy and we have invaded more of our neighbors than any country on earth in my lifetime and it's not fucking close. <laughs> Look at her face. Oh. Democracies don't invade their neighbors. Come on. Well, I guess we're not one then, huh? Uh, democratic countries don't use weapons of mass destruction. So I think- They I don't harbor them, but they have them. Well, you can't, it, it'd be hard to, but, I mean, but, that but John, was planned but in but Germany. But they're not aided, they're supported not aided by the government. I understand what you're saying. And, and the, always- That, that is a but always Terrorists aren't aided by- uh, government uh, in democracies, except for uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS and uh, Al Shabaab and all these other terrorist organizations, which we have funded and armed repeatedly, directly underneath Hillary Clinton. Oh my God, this is amazing. Let's try to look at the converse, right? Yes. Uh, just because uh, they have in some of these weak states terrorists among them, would you rather have somebody who's actually harboring them and assisting Understood. them? Understood. So, uh, so that's the first point. The second point is that yes, we need to be more selective. Mm -hmm. But I would be the strongest voice, as I know Hillary is, when Vladimir Putin decides to extinguish his neighbor, 
Should the United States really just step back from that and say, well, you know, that's kind of your business after all, Ukraine's been a part of the Russian empire and so forth. And there are some people in the United States who would say, not in Ukraine, let's do it in Des Moines. And I think that <laughs> is- Yeah, that's me. And Hillary just cackles at it. That is the more, that's the bigger threat that the United States will not feel the, uh, that the American people will not feel the pull to continue to be the place that people can look when something awful like that but happens. I love that. That's the bigger threat. The bigger threat is that you will no longer, you, the American person, the American voter, whatever, will never feel, will no longer feel the pull to jump to their propaganda, propagandistic demands to start World War III. Do you hear how inverted their reality is? That the bigger threat is not World War III, it is not nuclear holocaust, but rather that you will no longer be interested in eternal warfare. Interesting, huh? Is it then the difference between the first Gulf War, which is Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait and the United States forms a coalition and helps push him out versus the United States deciding these bad actors, you know, we really are the only country it's not that other people don't meddle, but we're the only country that actively promotes regime change. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have a subscription, so I couldn't watch the rest of that. But I think we got enough. I think we got enough. Look, there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic. I'll grant you. There's a lot of problems that we're facing right now, and it's going to be really hard. And economically, it's going to be really hard. And socially, it's going to be really hard. But. I think the teeter-totter is flipping over. I really do. Like the more I think about it, the more I think about the success, like the the incredible growth that's happening on Twitter right now, just because they allowed a little bit of a little bit of free speech. Like that trend line is so powerful. And if that can continue, man, I don't know what it I don't know what it could mean. But it's it's definitely reason to be hopeful. And I just don't think people like fucking like I watch I watch Bill Maher every week, right? Primarily because I'm a sadist, but also because I like to know, you know, what what the enemy class is thinking. The the elite enemy class, the ones that are, you know, thought of as being very prestigious. These people are not impressive. They're not impressive, folks. Like this is going to sound egotistical, but I'm just being straight with you. Like the guests I have on my show and the conversations that we have are so much more profound and important and truthful and in touch with like actually what's going on that like, I don't see how these people compete with us. And I'm not even saying me specifically. I'm just saying people in this arena, you know, the, the fringe, whatever the fuck we are. Like, I don't think I just, I just don't see it. I just think that with the, if the internet stays up, like if it just stays up, there is, there is no reason that we can't devour every single one of their institutions. I believe that now, from now until that point, going to be real rocky, going to be real rocky. But I really think that it's going to, at the end of the day, truth will win out. People who are telling the truth will grow audiences. It's just, it's like, it's what the people want right now. Not everybody. 
a lot of people still want to be asleep, but I'm just saying like lots, lots, lots of people and more every day. There you go. Stop being so blackpilled. All right. I'll try and stop being so blackpilled too. I have a fucking incredible lineup coming up. Just, I, I you know what? I'm not going to tell you all of them. I'll just tell you. First week of December, Jimmy Dore Daysmith. Hey, I'm going to be co-hosting it with uh, with Pasta, Craig Jardula, and it's going to be fucking rad. So can't wait for that. It's going to be cross stream, so it's going to be on his channel as well as mine. So you guys will be able to check that out. Make sure you tell your, tell your wife, tell your kids, and also hide them. Um, don't miss it. I got like seven, eight more interviews lined up between now and then, and they're all fucking bangers. Laura Logan, Dr. Ladapo. Amazing. A whole bunch of others. Anyways, stay tuned. If you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member for real. If I get enough people on there that like I'm just the revenue is good enough that I can still grow the show, I'll just stop doing ads. I will. I'll stop doing ads. I don't care. But in the meantime, I gotta I gotta get some money so I can fucking blow this thing up without having to spend my life savings, all right? Help me out. LibertyLockdown.locals.com. Go to TopLobster.com if you want to pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt and become a walking billboard. And uh, last but not least, make sure you leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or just leave five-star reviews everywhere. Just leave them everywhere. Fucking everywhere, all right? Is that so much to ask? Leave five-star reviews fucking everywhere. Write five-star reviews inside of urinals. Go five stars, Liberty Lockdown. Check it out. Take a big Sharpie, unless this is illegal, in which case don't do it there, obviously. But if it's legal, yeah, stop saying John was here, okay? Stop saying for a good time, call Reed Coverdale. No. Say five stars, Liberty Lockdown. Check it out on Spotify. <laughs> I don't know why I'm having so much fun tonight. Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for the, the continued support. means the world to me. The show is doing incredibly well and i do it from my bedroom how fucking cool is that you guys are the best i'm out big shout out to everybody that's been with me since jump street appreciate y'all Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold, where did it come from and where did it go, it requires a fight, not tweet from your phone, don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne, if you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home, the virus is scared of, will come and it'll go, the government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe, like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening, scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine, a typo with Luke might bring them nooses, we all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses, freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit, knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government, just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot 
must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip a 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe